God, we want you to be lifted up. We want you to be exalted. God, I bind every attack and every assignment the enemy was sent out against this service on today to bring hindrance, God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers us right now in the name of Jesus. God, I speak that we're strong in you and in the power of your might. I speak that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthen us and we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Thank you for our helper and our teacher, which is the Holy Spirit on today. Holy Spirit, we need you to lead us, guide us into all truth. Reveal unto us. Bring the word back to our remembrance on today. And Father, I thank you that we all have been crucified in Christ. And it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. Thank you, Father God. Christ lives in us the hope of glory. We honor you. We glorify you. We magnify you for this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Open your Bibles to Genesis. We're going to go back to the beginning, and I believe that God has a word for his people on today. And this is a word coming from God, so we want to pay attention and hear what God has to say, because there's life in his word. Go with me to Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis, the third chapter. And I'm going to begin at verse 1, and I will be ending at verse 6. And it's a familiar passage, but God has something he wants to do with it. The Bible reads, now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, have God said, you shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God have said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God do know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You may be seated. I want to talk about this morning falsified thinking. Falsified thinking. When we look at falsified thinking, it is thinking that have been altered. It is um, altered so as to mislead, to make false, falsely created or altered in order to deceive. Let me say it again. It means altered so as to mislead, made false, falsely created or altered in order to deceive. The Lord had given me this one day. I was um, went to the bathroom in the restaurant, and on my way out, I heard falsified thinking so as I began to meditate on it I said God what what do you want me to do with this and the Lord was sharing with me that we have um in a run of a day so many thoughts we have so many things that we think about and you got to know what you're thinking about is it true or is it false and if you don't know what's true then you'll go on a lie. You'll be misled. Your um, thinking would be altered. It would be changed by what you're thinking about. So this is why we have to think about what we're thinking about. And we have to make sure it come into alignment with the word of God. The enemy, he wants to deceive. The enemy is a trickster. So he does this through our five senses, through what we hear, through what we see, through what we touch, through what we smell. And there is another one, isn't it? 
through the five senses. So when he used these five senses, he's using them for his benefit to get us to think the way he want us to think opposite to the word of God. We have to understand that the world is so much full of sin. It's so much full of opportunity to do things outside of the will of God because we know that Satan is the God of this world. This is why we have to have on our whole armor of God every day. We have to make sure that we're armed and dangerous because from the time we get up to the time we lay down, we're having these falsified thoughts. We're having these thoughts because when we're around people, whoever you around, you know, they can change your thinking. They can alter your thinking. You may be thinking one way, and by the time you leave them, you're thinking another way. If you are around a person that mumbers and complains all the time, everything that they see or anything they're complaining about, you're finding yourself complaining. You're finding yourself mummering about what they were mummering about because you were around them. Your thinking has been altered. It has been changed. So this is why we have to guard our heart. We have to guard the thoughts that come into our mind and make sure that they line up with the word of God. If you don't grab hold to them, what's going to happen is you're going to end up with the stronghold. God took me back to the beginning. And as he took me back to the beginning, dealing with Adam and Eve, the only thing they knew was good. Everything they saw around them was good. It was very good. There was no evil there, so they didn't have to think about evil. Only thing they thought about was good. Can you imagine thinking good things every day? No matter what it looked like, your thinking is good. No matter if a person cuss you out, you know that was not God's intention for that person. That's where we should be when it comes to the word of God. Even though we're around bad, we don't think bad, we think good. Because that's how God created us to be. That's who he wanted us to be. Everything he created is good. And it was very good. So the enemy had to come in and he had to alter. He had to change their way of thinking. And what he did, the first thing that he did, he used the serpent. It say now the serpent was more subtle. When you look at that word subtle, it means clever. Clever means that serpent was very intelligent. So the enemy took the very, the, the beast or what God created, the one that was so intelligent, that's the one that he used. The one that he knew that knew a lot, he came in and used the serpent. So the enemy will use whomever he chooses if that person or that thing is willing to be used. He's going to use it. So he used the serpent. And the thing is, God created the serpent. He created that serpent to be what? To be good. But the enemy used what God created to be good for his benefit. God had given that serpent intelligence so he gave him a gift so the enemy took that gift that God had given him and used it for his own purpose he can use a saved person and he's using many saved people many born again people he's using them and he's watching the ones that think they know so much the very intelligent ones the ones that think they know the word of God better than anybody else the ones that's always in the word of God, studying to show their self-approved so people look at them, I'm telling you. 
trying to go behind somebody and always correcting somebody, not because they're trying to give God glory, but they're trying to get the glory. Always speaking about what somebody should have, could have, or would have done. See, the enemy is watching. He's like a what? A roaring lion. He's prowling. He's seeking whom he can devour. So he used this intelligent creature that God created. He used him because he was clever. He was intelligent. He said, I can use this for my benefit. And that's the first thing that God showed me. He will use whomever want to be used. So don't think that you so smart that you can't mess up. Don't think that you're so knowledgeable because you got a, a, a doctorate, because you got a nursing degree, a lawyer degree, whatever degree you got in psychology. I don't care what kind of degree you, degree you got. The enemy can still use it for his benefit. See, sometimes we think we know so much that we know nothing. And this is what's happening even in the church. You got people that has been in school for so long that even when the word hits them, they can't receive it because they're trying to dissect it according to worldly wisdom and not godly wisdom. There's a problem with that. See, this is why when um, Peter and them was opposed, Peter and John them in the word of God, they say these are unlearned men. So I know that what they're talking about, that they didn't get it from going to the temple. They wasn't up under us. I'm paraphrasing it. So I know this got to be from God. So we got to shut it down. See, God can use somebody that's unlearned and he can give them what they need through the word of God that people will know this didn't come from them going to school 15 years. This didn't come for them sitting up under theology for this. This came straight from heaven. This came from the throne. They got some revelation knowledge from the throne of God. Look at Paul. Paul was up under the best teachers. Gamaliel, he was up under the best ones, but he still didn't know. He still didn't have any revelation. So this is why we have to be so careful about saying what we know. What we know need to be coming from God, not coming from our own intellect. So he had to use that serpent because he was very intelligent. So he said, oh, I can use him. And which he did. Then the next thing after he did with this serpent, he began to talk unto this woman. He began to tell this woman, and I like this. He began to talk, but before I get there, we got to understand Satan and who he is. When you understand who a person is, you want to stay away from that person. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? When you know there's a thief and a robber that's already always stealing and that's what they're going to always do. Why are you hanging around a thief and a robber? Because even though you're not no thief and robber, if you're hanging around them and they get caught, you're going to jail with them. Because you are an accessory to the crime. Well, I don't have nothing on me, but you in the car with them. See, this is why we have to be so careful. So we got to understand who Satan is. The Bible tells us in John um, 8, 44, the expanded Bible. See, the word of God is there for our benefit, y'all. The word of God shows us what needs to be made known. It says in John 8, 44, you belong to, you are from your father, the devil, and you want to do what he wants. He was a murderer from the beginning. This goes back to Genesis and was against the truth, does not uphold truth because there's no truth in him. When he tell a lie, he shows 
what he he is really like he reveals his own nature or he speaks his own language he speaks from his own because he is a liar and the father of lies come on jesus is pointing out the nature of satan i'm gonna say this if you're lying when somebody asks you something you're going off of who you serving because he's a liar So if somebody asks you a question and you know the truth, but you want to lie about it because you don't want nobody to look at you differently, who are you being used by? Satan. Because God is no liar. God is about truth. He's about light. And in him there's no doubt. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because I feel the power of God just jumping on the inside of me. So I only speak as he's speaking to me. We got a problem in the church when it comes to church, folks, when somebody is asking you something about them and you're not giving them an honest answer, you're allowing Satan to use you. If somebody asks you, do I talk too much? Oh, no, baby, you don't talk too much. You're lying. Say, yeah, you, you, you do say some things that don't need to be said, but you know, you know, you give them the word. But you allow to them, no, you don't talk too much. Oh, how, how did this look on me? Oh, it looked good. You're lying. You need to tell them the truth. That may look good on somebody else, but it don't look good on you. Come on, when you love a person, you tell them the truth. Some of us let people sit amongst them with stuff coming out their nose and don't say nothing. Is anything on my face? No, you're good. You're lying. Come on, and that's what your heart get used to. That's what you get, you know, used to doing, and it it becomes natural to you because you don't want to tell a person the truth. Let me read this again. You belong to, are from your father the devil, and you want to do what he wants. He was a murderer from the beginning and was against the truth. So anytime you don't tell somebody the truth, you're allowing Satan to use you. Even in marriage, people. Tell your husband and tell your wife the truth. Don't lie to them. If they're asking you a question, they're asking you that question for real. Don't be trying to sugarcoat nothing. You can speak truth in love. That's what the word of God says. We need to speak truth in love. And the one says speaking truth, the enemy is getting other people to turn away from them because they're speaking the truth. Then when you get caught up in your lies, now you're trying to justify why you didn't tell the truth. Well, I couldn't tell them. I just prayed about it. Oh, you letting the devil use you. So this is what he is. He's a murderer and he's a liar. Then when you go to Revelations 12, 9, it says the giant great dragon was thrown down, cast hurtled out of heaven He's that old snake, ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who tricks, listen, who tricks, who deceives, who leads astray the whole world. The dragon with his angels was thrown down, cast, hurtled to the earth. Do you think God is going to allow deceit to stay in heaven? A liar cannot tarry in his sight. So we have to understand, so, so we have to really think before we speak. That's why we talk about falsified thinking. We know what's true before we say it, y'all. And some people say, I'm not going to be a snitch. When they're asking you something, you tell the truth. If you're somebody's friend, you know I'm keeping them out of jail. No, you're making them to be what they should not be. That's not the way God created them to be. 
So we want to make sure that our thinking is not falsified. The more you alter your thinking, the more you think that thinking is correct and everybody else is wrong, even though you're born again. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. So we understand that he's a deceiver. He's a trickster. He's a liar. He's a murderer. Come on, some of us be having some of these traits at times. At times, because we know what's true, but we refuse to say what's true because we want to keep that friendship instead of being truthful and telling somebody the truth. The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How can you get freed in your mind when you don't want to accept the truth? How can somebody get free? How can you help them be free if you're not telling them the truth? If you're listening to them speak lies right in front of you and you're not bringing correction, you're falling in the same category that they're in. You're a liar too. Because if they're going on and on and you know what truth is and you're allowing that, then your atmosphere is just like their atmosphere. We need to quit saying, I'm going to pray for them. No, if the word is coming up out of you, speak truth in love. Tell them what the word of God is saying. And when you stand before God, you're going to have to answer why you didn't give the truth. Every idle word, every word that's non-productive that we speak out, we got to stand before God and give an account of every idle word. That we have spoken. Can you think of every idle word that you have spoken that has been non-productive? Can you sit here and, oh God, when I stand before you, how long is it going to take? Because all of us have spoken some idle words. We have spoken things out of hurt. We have spoken things out of spite. We know what we're going to say before we say it. Because you have to think about it before you say it. And some things don't have to be thought about because once you plant that seed in your heart, when you open your mouth, boom, bam, there it is. Ain't no more thinking about it. Because when you're so full of anger, which that's not God, we do have a spiritual anger. But this anger that some people have that they have kept on the inside of them for so long, these conditions that's laying beneath, lying beneath the surface that we have not dealt with in our childhood, that we're trying to come together with somebody else thinking that's going to cure us by having a loving husband or a loving wife or I'm going to have kids that's going to make me better. No, that's going to make you worse and it's going to make those kids worse because eventually whatever's in you is going to come out of you and the enemy knows that. And we got to quit making excuses for I'm sorry. No, if you ain't godly sorry, don't even say you're sorry no more. You want to be, but you got to be honest with yourself. This is how I feel. So this is what the enemy is doing here. He's setting her up. He's setting her up. So this is what he did. He used God's creation. Remember, the enemy can use whoever want to be used. I don't care how long you've been saved. Right now, he probably used some of you this morning. To say a few choice words that you, you know what? Some people say, I ain't got nobody with me, but you got yourself. So you can have falsified thinking right by you. You don't need help with that because whatever is coming into your mind that you're not dealing with, it's going to be altered for Satan's to make it good for him. So we see the next thing that he did was he told the woman, he said, did God really say? 
Now look how he's easing in there. First, he needed somebody to use to speak. Faith come by hearing. Hearing come by the word of God. He need a body. He needs somebody he can use to speak his language. So he used an intelligent creature that God created. He used the serpent. So he was very clever. He was very wise. You know, the Bible says, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Because God knew that he made that serpent to be wise. Satan knew that. So he used that, that serpent against them. Because Eve thought, this is God's creation. This creation is talking to me and everything God created is good. So he began to ask her, did God really say? How many of us, when God give us a word, and we know it's coming from his word, but when things begin to happen in our lives, do we hear, did God really say that you're healed? Did God really say that you're prosperous? Did God really say you're going to have a mate? Did God really say that you're strong in him and in the power of your mind? Did God really say that? What is he trying to do? He's trying to bring doubt. He's trying to make you uncertain to what God has said. And I believe the majority, no, all of us in this room. The enemy has come in to ask you, did God really say? Did God really say that the car is yours? Did God really say that the house is yours? Did God really say that that's the man or woman that's going to be in your life? Did God really say that? See, what the enemy is doing, he's twisting the word. He's making you doubt what God is saying to you. That is falsified thinking. Because as soon as you grab hold to the word, the Bible says that the enemy comes snatch the word before you get understanding of that word. This is why you got to spend time in the word to understand what the word of God is saying unto you. So he said, did God really say that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, did God really say? Did God really say? That's something to think about, right? So that's what he want her to do. He want her to think. So she, the more she think about it, the more uncertain she is. The more you think about a thing, the more you roll something over, you're going to become certain of that thing you're thinking about. But he asked her a question. Did God really say? A lot of times when we make up our mind to do something and we go to somebody and we tell them what we're doing and all of a sudden they'll say, are you sure you want to do that? And all of a sudden you like, well, maybe I shouldn't. But you had your mind made up or you thought you had your mind made up before you talked to somebody. And they'll ask you, you sure you want to do that? Is that really what you want to do? So now you're, you're going back and saying, should I or shouldn't I? So this is why we have to make sure we understand what the word of God is saying unto us because the enemy is going to come in and try to alter and try to change the word of God. And he's doing it to the majority of us because he don't want you to get life from the word of God. Because God's word, it quickens you. God's word gives you life. He's about death. So he wants you to take your mind off of what God is saying and put your mind on what he's saying. So he said, did God really say, look at James 1, 6, when it says this, but when you ask God, you must believe, ask with faith and not doubt any, anyone who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown up and, and down driven and tossed by the wind. So the enemy want us to be driven and tossed. 
He wants us to be uncertain. That's what doubt is. He wants us to be going back and forth like a windshield wiper. Did God say I am healed? Then if I am healed, why am I still hurting? Did God say I am prosperous? Well, if I am prosperous, why I got all this debt? Did God really say that he was going to save my house because my children still ain't saved? See, he's making you question those promises. He's making you have um, certainty and doubt. He's making you waver. And when he make you waver, guess what you're going to do? You're going to leave that promise. You're not going to focus on that promise the way you need to focus on that promise. Because you're going to feel like, well, let me go pull something else. Let me go get another um, verse of scripture. Maybe I can um, take that verse of scripture. Maybe that one will work for me. If you cannot get the verse of scripture that says, by his stripes, you are already healed. Don't think that you're going to get the other scripture that says, healing is the children's bread. Don't think you're going to get the other scripture that said, he sent his word and he has healed me and delivered me from my destruction. Don't think you're going to get the other scripture and said, he blessed my bread and water and took sickness from the midst of me. Because if you ain't getting the first one, which is the main one by his stripes, I will already heal. You're not going to get the other one until you can meditate on the first one and your body begin to receive life from that. That's why it's so much uncertainty because we're going back and forth in the word, but we haven't picked up where we left off yet. We keep going back and forth. We get happy when we go back and forth. We come to the house of God and some of us, we get happy. Some of us hear the word of God and we say we're going to meditate on that word. We're going to do better. But then when we hit the house, we begin to do other things and put it before the word of God. So then when things begin to happen, then you say, did God really say? Because you're not standing on the word of God. You standing on your uncertainty. You standing on your doubt. But when God says something, it is what he said. So the enemy is going to put uncertainty there. He's going to put doubt there because that's who he is. He's a liar. He's a trickster. He's a schemer. He's clever. He's going to use whatever he can to trick you. And he got to use a person to do it. Did y'all know there's some tricksters out here? There's some real tricksters out here. Scammers. Oh, it's some real scammers that make you think you want some money. And make it sound good. And then going to use your accounts against you. If you got an Amazon account, sometimes they'll send a message and say, your Amazon account has been locked. I'm like, devil, you a liar. It ain't locked. It's wide open. But not for you to get in it. Delete. See, you got to know truth from a lie. Because as soon as you hit that button and say, oh, it's been locked, you get somebody. Then they ask for information that's falsified. And then they rob you blind. That's because you ain't watching as well as praying. You got to seek the Lord while he can be found. See, we try to get quick fixes. Quick fixes don't work, y'all. God wants you to go through the fire. He wants you to go through the storm, but he's going to go through with you and you're going to come out on the other side. See, some of us don't want to go through nothing. We just want God to lay it down. He said, I already laid it down. It's already yours. But guess what? The enemy going to come in and trick you, bring some doubt to make you think what I gave you don't belong to you. To make you think you ain't worthy of that. You're not righteous. You're not who you say you are. No, in him I am. 
See, that's why you got to know who you are in him because you're going to keep going back and forth. He'll use people against you to make you feel like you're not enough for anyone. Especially if you have a broken marriage and that man or that woman is making you feel worthless or making you feel like you're not needed or making you feel like you're stupid. You leave that marriage with that mentality, with falsified thinking. You're going to go into another marriage with a loving husband, loving wife. And remember this, God hate divorce. (laughs) That's why you need some counseling before you get into a marriage. That's why you need to know how marriage is supposed to be before you get hooked up with somebody. Because when you get hooked up with them, you're getting hooked up with their falsified thinking. You're getting hooked up with thieves and robbers that ain't got over their thievery yet. And they're doing things slick under the cover. Undercover. So we got to be so careful, y'all. This is why God gave us what is written. So we won't be tricked. We have to know what his word is saying. So he said, did God really say? So you have to know what God said. And you got to stand on what God said. Because if he said it, he ain't going to change it. God don't change his mind. Whatever's written is written, y'all. So he asking, did God really say? And then we look at Mark eleven twenty three. I like this one. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, the first thing he said in 11.22 was, have faith in God. Y'all know what happened to the fig tree? That fig tree began to talk to Jesus. That fig tree didn't have no figs on it. So Jesus began to talk back to that fig tree and he cursed that fig tree. And then he told them, have faith in God once they saw. But in the natural, that fig tree didn't look like it was cursed. That tree looked like it was healthy. That tree looked like it was what it was. But when they come back past that tree, that tree was dead. Why? Because Jesus, he cursed it at the root. He did a spiritual thing. And he went on about his business because he knew it was done. How many of us, when we speak to our bodies, we waiting on our bodies to quit hurting before we do anything? Come on, somebody. How many of us speak to our finances and we waiting for money to fall from heaven to get in the bank? See, what we got to understand is whatever God's word is, has said, once we grab hold to that word, we already have it. It's already done. It's a done deal. But the problem is getting it in the natural. This is why the enemy bring doubt. Because if your body's still hurting, you're thinking you're not healed. That's a lie. That's not truth. Your body is your outer shell. It's just telling you what's going on. But spiritually, you already the healed. But it, that healing got to connect with that outer shell. So it got to go through the soulless realm. And our problem in that soulless realm is we renewed. But that don't mean we don't have what God say that we have. So we look at Mark eleven twenty three. He said, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. Now, this is the problem. We're saying to God. We're telling God. Why are you telling God? See, this is how the enemy got us mixed up. This is how things get altered and changed. We're telling God about what's going on. He said, I want you to speak to the mountain. He didn't say speak to me. He said, speak to the mountain. So why are you telling God about your marriage? And about? he already know. He wants you to speak over that marriage. He wants you to speak over your body. That's your mountain. Why are you telling God about your debt? He says, speak over that debt. 
Why are you whining and complaining to me? Move forward. I've given you the authority. Why are you mumbling and complaining? Speak to it. Quit laying down in it. We're whining to God. And God said, I have given you what you need. Use it. He said, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. Go. Be lifted up. Fall into the sea. We got authority to say, "Uh uh-uh. You don't live here. You get away from here in the name of Jesus. It has to go. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess in earth, on earth, under earth that he is Lord. So whatever the mountain is, it got to move. And just because you feeling like it ain't move, it ain't about no feeling. It's about what he said. You obeying him. That's why he said obedience is better than sacrifice. You got to obey what the word of God is saying. And then when somebody tried to come against what he's saying, say, that's what he said. That's what I'm doing. And it's final. And you sometimes you got to put them out your house. If you can't come into agreement with what God is saying, leave. Because you're talking, I don't bring that falsified thinking in my house. I don't want to hear it. I understand now why my dead grandfather would say, Tink so. He didn't get that in his thinking. When you said something, he said, that ain't the truth. That ain't what the word says. But what we do, we listen to that. We program our minds to that because we believe that man know more than God. I understand this is what you're saying. But there's one that's greater than that. There's one that has the final say over that. Falsified thinking. So he said, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. Who is he telling to say? Who is he telling to say? He's telling us to say to this mountain. Go, be lifted up, fall into the sea. Now listen at this. And if you, it's about you. And if you have no doubts in your mind and heart and believe that what you say will happen. See, you can't have no uncertainty. Why are you saying things and you uncertain about it? That's because you don't believe it. See, when you believe something, you're not uncertain about it. If I told you that I gave you a million dollars, would you believe it? Who would believe it? If you know my character. If I always stood on my word and I say, Miss Mary, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Lord knows I want to, Miss Mary. If I told her that I'm going to give you a million dollars, and even though I haven't put it in her hand, if she know my character and she know I always have been truthful to her, she knows she already got the money. She's already setting up her stuff to pay it. Slam off. I mean, slam off. (laughs) She's setting everything up. She's saying, I'm debt free. And somebody come to her and say, she gave you the money yet? I'm still debt free. I know it's paid because I know she stands on her word. Guess what? She ain't got no doubt. She ain't got no uncertainty. She already done lined her stuff up based on what was said. Oh, I give you an example. We go to the bank, y'all. We go get loans, right? Car loans, house loans, whatever they'll loan us for, whatever they want to give us. And soon as they say, 
we got it all worked out. We already planning vacations. We already seeing ourselves in the house and we're seeing ourselves in the car. We're overly joyed, right? Because man said it. So we we got money in the bank that we were saving, maybe $5,000 or more. So we're going to take us a vacation while we waiting. So we go out and spend all our money. And then we get a call from the bank and say, we got a problem. We can't give you this loan at this time. You trusted man. We trust man, let's be honest, more than we trust God. Because soon as man say yes, we're happy. We believe in exactly what they're saying, and we're going on about our business. This is what Jesus was saying in Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus did not wait for that fig tree to die. He went about his father's business because he know his father don't lie. But we don't go about our business half the time. Do we? No, because we, we don't, we have an uncertainty. We have a doubt in us. So uncertainty make you waver. It makes you think about, did God really say? So he said that you have to have no doubts in your mind, in your heart, and believe that what you say will happen. What I'm saying is supposed to be according to the word. So I supposed to believe cling to, have faith in the word of God and not in me. I'm not the one that's doing it. It's God. This is why Abraham said he was fully persuaded that what God said he was going to do. Abraham knew about his body. He knew about Sarah's body, but he said, that's besides the point. God said it. Now God got to do it because he's no liar. He was depending on God. He wasn't looking at his body. He was looking to God, who's the author and finisher of his faith. Our problem is we're looking at our circumstances more than we're looking at God. And it looks real. And it is real in the natural, but supernatural has something differently to say. So he said, you have no doubts in your mind and your heart and believe what you say will happen. Listen at this. God will do it for you. It will be done for you. God will do it. Who, who said God will do it for you. It will be done for you, but you can't waver. You can't go back and forth. Either you're going to believe God or you're not. Either we're going to have faith in God or we're not. And God already know where your heart is. See, this is why we got to get rid of falsified thinking. We got to change the way we think. When you change the way you think, it change how you live. It change how you feel. Because when you're thinking is, when you're thinking happy, your body just be so alive, doesn't it? But when you're thinking depressed and all that, you be tired. You be sluggish. You just feel like you don't want to do nothing. But then when you hear good news, when somebody tell you about money, oh, come on out to eat, I'm going to give you some, oh, you just perk right on up. You drag that leg on out to eat. Before you couldn't get up when the Lord told you to rise up. You couldn't rise up when he told you to rise up. But when somebody said they're going to pay for your food and take you shopping, you dragging all through that mall. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Money talks and it helps you walk. <laughs> Don't it? Just tell the truth. That's why I say the love of money is the root of all evil. It's a lot of us in here. If it was a million dollars up here, even if you were down in your knees, your back, you'd be pushing somebody out the way. And if I said the first one to come up here and get a million dollars, y'all going to be some hurt people and I'm going to have to lay hands. 
Because Brother Willie, he's going to throw Sister Nisa up there for him. <laughs> this is how it works. We have falsified thinking. This is why he's telling us we have to do what the word of God tell us to do. When we do this, guess what? We get the results. See, you faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. When we do, we can't only hear, we have to do. He said, don't only be hearers. I can hear the word all day long. But if I'm not doing what I heard, what's the point of hearing? Faith come by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Look at this verse of scripture. Go with me. We're still in Mark. Mark 11, 24. All of it go together. Y'all, the word is so good. And God will feed you so well if you get in it. Mark eleven twenty three. Listen at this one, 24. Therefore, after he said what he said, he said, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when you pray... Here's the key. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So I'm supposed to be believing that I'm receiving even before I go to God. If you ain't believing that you're receiving before you go to God, why are you going? Why are you going to God complaining and mumbling and saying, when God, why God, where God? You ain't believing. So you're not going to receive nothing from God even though he's already blessed you with it. Because your thinking has been altered. Your thinking has been misled by how you feeling or what's going on around you. So he lined, he lined this all up together for us to know that he is God. And we have to come into alignment with his word of, with the word of God. If we're not coming into alignment with the word of God, you cannot receive from the word of God. Everything has to be in alignment. When we go back to Satan, he said, did God really say in Genesis 3, he was asking her a question. Now, this is how this woman answered him. Now, listen at her in the in the uh, verse 2. The woman answered the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God told us. Now, wait a minute. She's telling him, how many of us, when pain hit our body, we answer pain, don't we? Some of us have a different way of answering. Some of us answer by painkillers, Right? If that's your way of answering, that's fine. That may get rid of that pain for a little bit, but you got to take another one when it hits you again, right? But they ain't got the root of that pain. You ain't got to the root of it. You just keep taking it to get rid of it so you can just go about your business. So she was saying God told us. The key is God already told them before this come about. Where am I going? When you're in the word of God, you already know what you told before it come about. This is why the enemy don't want you in the word because he wants you about his business and not God's business. When you know what the word of God is saying, you've been told. Guess what? Y'all been sought up today. Because every time you come in this house and you're told what the word of God is saying, you cannot say you were not told. She said, God told us, us, God told us. So it's not that she was not told. Now let's go back to what God told them. Genesis 2, verse 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Does not God forewarn us what's going to happen before it happens? 
If you get into this word, you're going to know what's going to happen before it happens. This is why some people don't want to get into the word. This is why why some people don't want to hang around people that know truth. This is why some people hate people that's carrying truth because they know that once they hear the truth, they're liable for what they hear. Give you an example. I know the majority of us got driver's license, but some of us don't use them as well as others. I'm one of them. But thank you, Jesus, I drive. But when I do drive, I try to obey, stopping at a stop sign. I try on I-40, and I'm still not doing it right. It says 70. I try to go a little 73. I'm still breaking the law. So if my husband is going 80, it don't make no difference. Both of us breaking the law. Right, honey? See what I'm saying? I fuss at him about going 80. I set mine to 73, and I'm like, see, I ain't speeding. The devil is a lie. Falsified thinking. If you go one mile over it, you are breaking the law. Because that's what the law says. Is that not right? Falsified thinking say, when you get on I-40, you keep up with the traffic. Anybody got falsified thinking in here? Huh? Even out there in 35, it didn't say 40. Anybody got falsified thinking in here? That's the law of the land. Nobody want to answer me but a few. But yet and still, we telling somebody what the words say, but we out there breaking the law. Should we just pause on that? Let me just hide. We know when we're doing wrong. I'll give you an example. I was at a stop sign. My husband probably noticed it. He probably didn't say nothing. I'm glad he didn't. But anyway... When you get to a stop sign, you come to a what? Can I hear that again? You come to a what? Do you come to a complete stop? Not all the time. Because, see, yesterday I didn't come to a complete stop because the vehicle's supposed to be stopped. I didn't come to a complete stop. I stopped enough to not to hit nobody. Y'all, I got so convicted saying, now, you know you're supposed to stop at that stop sign. You know how we do it? I did a little. I hope this falsified thinking is helping all of us. Come on, we miss it sometimes. Come on, in driving, we do miss it sometimes. And then we got some pro drivers that act like they've been driving for, he he don't think I know it. When I drive y'all, I know where the curve is. He over here hurting his neck trying to make sure I don't mess up the rims. I pull out the church and might be why your neck be hurting sometime. He don't think I be knowing it, y'all. He be pro driver. For some reason, men think they can drive better than women. See, y'all agree. Some men think a woman cannot drive like they're supposed to, so they got to tell you every little detail, right, honey? (laughs) To help us out. If I'm up under the wheel, I drive like I need to drive. That's me driving. But I have an instructor on the, don't get me wrong, I love for him to instruct me sometimes, but sometimes he feels as if maybe I don't drive enough that I don't know, so when you get in the car with him, you like this. Oh, Lord, I'm going to miss something. Then when you turn in the go gas, 
You need to go around that way. Well, maybe I want to stay here. You don't need to stay here. You're going to get blocked in. Well, where are we going? Where are we going? Just back to the house. When you pull in here, I just go ahead and do like you say. Sometimes. Amen, Nadine. Mm-hmm. Then, let me tell you how falsified thinking come in. Your thinking get altered and changed. Because if you got someone in the car with you all the time, and they telling you how to drive, when you by yourself, you hear that voice. You hear it, and you, you're trying to think, oh, Lord, do I do my way, or do I do their way? Oh, Lord, you forget that you can drive. This is falsified. Thinking, your thinking is being altered and changed based on somebody else, how they drive. Now, I can see if I never drove one day in my life, but I did drive a bus. That was years ago. And my granddaddy always let me drive his truck. He, he trusted me. But when you don't drive a lot and somebody ride behind you, but he go to sleep sometime, all the time. We have falsified thinking. Our thinking get altered by who we around. When you're ready to make a decision and you keep asking somebody, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, your thinking is being altered and then you end up not doing what you should have done because you keep going back and forth. That's falsified thinking. It's altered, it's changed. So the woman answered the snake. She told the snake what God said. She knew what God said, y'all. She knew it. The enemy was trying to change what God said. But she was telling him what God said. We tell the enemy what the word says, don't we? But that don't stop this falsified thinking. We can repeat the word, but we still having these thoughts. Should I? Shouldn't I? So then after he told, she told him that, I want to go here. She said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She repeated that, but then she added something to it. You must not even touch it. We add to the word. And the word tells us in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, verse 2, don't add to these commands, the word, and don't leave anything out, but obey the commands of the Lord your God that I give, I give, command you. He said, don't, don't um, add to it. Don't diminish from it. Don't leave nothing out. How many of us leave out part of the word when we want to do what we want to do? How many of us that you know you want to do it, but you know it shouldn't be done, and you're just like a child not hearing, overpowering what you're hearing? Because you know it's the truth, and you know you already made up your mind to do what you're going to do anyway. So even if I came to you and told you, you don't need to do it right now, you agreeing with me, but you already made up your mind what you was going to do anyway. Will it say true that? I'm using his expression, true that. Because that's what we do. You already done made up your mind. You already done thought about it. So even when the truth is coming, you know what you're going to already do, right? So the Bible's telling that, even in Proverbs 36, it says, Do not add to his words, or he will correct you and prove you are a liar. That's what we're supposed to do. When we add to God's word, and that's not what God's word is saying, there's supposed to be correction. 
Somebody's supposed to come in and correct. That's a rebuke. That's an open rebuke. Why? Because we're sending out the wrong message. So we're supposed to correct what's being said before people leave out the house. This is why I tell people, even if you felt like I have said something, sometimes I'll paraphrase the word. I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm not trying to take from it. But if you feel like I said something that was not right, you need to come to me and not go to nobody else. I said it. Because when you go to somebody else and they heard exactly what I said and you keep talking to them, you're going to alter their thinking and have them say, well, maybe she did say that. That's why I always tell Athea Lofton, give God glory for Athea Lofton and them people in that sound room back there. Because I'll go to her and I'll say, Athea, pull that. Because if I said something that's not right, I want to bring correction over this pulpit so nobody will be in error. Is that true, Athea? So we take time and we pull those tapes. And when we find it, I'll go to the person and say, this is where it was said at. You can go back and review it because that's not what I said. Oh, sometime Athea know the scripture I'm trying to say, or I may know, and I'll say the wrong name or the wrong scripture. She'll tell me, she said, I know what you was going to say. And we'll discuss. I said, that's right. Go ahead and change that. Why? Because. If I say Joseph, and it's supposed to be Moses, a person who's so intelligent, they will mess up my whole message because they say, she don't even know what the word is saying. It was Moses and not Joseph. Oh, it was Joseph and not Moses. So they'll go tell people, how can you listen to her and she don't even know the Bible? See, this is what the enemy does. He want to alter. He want to change that message because I misnamed somebody in the Bible. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about taking the word of God and changing it to manipulate. Changing it to um, overturn God's authority. To make God be a liar and that's not who he is. Because whatever the word says, that's what the word means. There's no exceptions to that. When the word say don't, he mean don't. And when the word say don't do it, this is what's going to happen when you do it. Believe me. That's what's going to happen because that's what the word said. Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law because he know we couldn't keep the law. But if the word is saying, don't commit adultery, don't fornicate, don't lie, don't steal. That's what it means. Now thank God for his mercy because all of us have done some don'ts, but thank God for what he done. And that's why he had mercy on us. But when you know that you don't supposed to do it and the word is telling you and you keep doing it, you're going to suffer the consequences by what you're doing. So she knew. She knew what the word said and she added to the word and the Bible says you don't take from it, you don't add to it. And it says that when you do, you correct the ones that you hear that's doing it. Quit being afraid of people because you think that they're quoting the word, they quote the quote the quote, they can miss it. Some of them quote it just to let people know, I know the Bible and messing it up. So we have to go to them and say, wait a minute, you had said something. Could you tell me where that is? Because I read it and that's not what I'm getting out of it. I could be off. You don't leave it because that's what the enemy want. He, the enemy want people to mess up God's word. So everybody be hearing the same thing and be doing the same thing. And that's not what the word said. You know how you can hear somebody say something to older people or say a verse of scripture and you can't find it nowhere. It's stuff they lived off of in slavery. 
and you cannot find it nowhere. And if you can't find it nowhere, then that's not God. That's not what God is saying. So we have to be so careful about what we say because some people take the word for what it is from a person, but they don't go search the scriptures for themselves. You need to search the scriptures even while I'm teaching you. Go back to the scriptures. Search it for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring you understanding of the scriptures so you will know what the scripture is saying to you. Amen? So let's go to this one in verse 4. Genesis 3 verse 4. Now listen at what Satan said. Now, y'all know the enemy is always talking if we let him talk. Right? He didn't shut up then. It says here, but the snake said to the woman, you will most certainly not die. Is that, that's misleading. See, that's falsified thinking. He was misleading her because that was part truth. See how he does? He bought the doubt. He bought the uncertainty. But he's going to bring part truth to make you feel like that's what God is saying. He said, you will most certainly not die. What he was saying was, you'll die spiritually, but you won't die physically. See, he was giving her, he was misleading her. He said, he altered it. He said, for God knows that if you eat the fruit from the tree, from it, your eyes will be open and you will learn about, experience, know about good and evil, and you will be like God. Wasn't he misleading her? That was part truth. So that's what the enemy does. He'll give you scripture, but he'll twist that. He knows the scripture, but he'll twist that scripture to get what he wants. This is why you got to be so careful with false prophets and false teachers. Because they'll come in and they'll present a word and it seems like it's true. But deep down inside, you're feeling a nudging in you. You're saying, wait a minute, something is off. Something don't feel right about that. Something is just off. So you cannot connect with any and everybody because they say they're a prophet. You cannot do that. Some people that connect with prophets, they are lazy. How can I say this? Because you want that prophet to tell you your future. So you hang around them so you can go to them and say, what has God got to say to me today? Instead of you getting in the word of God and hearing God for yourself, because that's falsified thinking, thinking uh, the word is being altered, it's being changed. You being misled because you trust them more than you trust in what the word of God is saying. If you don't know the word, how can you trust them, y'all? You got to know the word for yourself. So the snake was misleading her. He was making her think opposite to the word of God. He does this with us. Satan does this with us through our thinking. But let me give you a clue. Once the enemy get a stronghold in you due to your way of thinking, he don't have to bother you no more. He don't. He just tempts you. But once he get that seed in you, he get a seed of fear in you, he don't need to be there to make you fearful. He get a, a fear of sickness, a fear of phobias, a anxiety. If you plant that seed in you and that seed is already grown and taken root, it don't take much for you to fear. It don't take much for you to get sick. It don't take much for you to have anxiety. The seed is already planted and it's going to bring forth whatever's planted. The enemy know this. If you grumble and complain all the time and you planted a seed of grumbling and complaining, guess what? That's what you're going to do. That's a part of you now. The enemy don't have to make you do nothing. It's become a part of you. It's a seed that has been planted. If you have a fear of sicknesses, it don't take much for a sickness to overtake you. It don't. 
When things come upon the land, your body gravitate to it because you got that seed, that fear of sickness planted. Or if you heard about your parents, your grandparents, or what's running in your family, and that's all you hear every time that somebody talked to you about a family member, that seed has been planted, so you're looking for those same symptoms. You're looking for that same diagnosis. That's why when you go to a doctor, did your parents have this? Did your parents have that? Well, you need to look for it because it's generational. That's what they tell you. Look for it. So they look at your chart, and they're looking for it. Well, if they died at this age, you can look to die at that age. If they were overweight, you can look to be overweight. If they were drunk, you can look to be a drunk. The devil's a lie. Because when you look to the hills, from which cometh your help? For your help cometh from the Lord. And when you focus on who you are in him, you are protected. But see, our focus ain't on that. Our focus is on what we hear and how we feel. So we got to change our thinking. So the enemy was trying to change, which he did, her way of thinking. And he did this because after he brought doubt, after he brought the uncertainty, after she, he was questioning her about did God really say, now look what happened in verse 6. The woman saw. She saw it because the enemy set her up. It came through her falsified thinking. He changed the way she thought. He altered it. He misled her by using what God created for his benefit. Let's go a little bit further. We're going to talk about making false statements. So we see how we can falsify. Christians can falsify stuff. We got some Christians that's working witchcraft and they only know it. Because when you're manipulating a person to get what you want, you work in witchcraft. Let's go into marriage. When it's something that you want from that husband or that wife and you know what your bills look like and you know how the house is run, but all of a sudden you be begin to manipulate that husband and wife, I never get nothing. I always help you. You ain't going to help me. I'm telling you what I need and you ain't going to help me get it. Why are you making that per how are you making that person feel? That's manipulation. That's a form of witchcraft. The Bible says that when you reward evil for good, evil will not leave your house. You know when you're manipulating a person to get what you want. You know how you're having that sob story. Because you're trying to find a way to get what you want. you play in that card of deception. you play in that card of manipulation. Come on, it's in the house. Whatever I'm talking about got to be in the house. I wouldn't be talking about it if it's not in the house. See, that's why people got to understand operating through the spirit and not through the flesh. Because whatever God bring in this house is something going on in, within the house. He's trying to give you an understanding. You may not even know that you manipulating somebody. You may not even know that you're working witchcraft. See, rejection. When some manipulation too is part of rejection. When a person is rejected and they want to feel accepted and wanted, they will start talking about how they was mistreated in life. They'll just start talking about it out the blue to get something from somebody. Or this is what I have to do in a run of a day. You know, I, we don't ask nobody. Da, da, da. You know you manipulating somebody to get some money. You know you want them to buy your food. Or you get in a restaurant and you give a sob story. Or try to be so nice but you're trying to get a free meal. Come on, manipulation. We have to be careful with those type things. 
And you know what? The, the Lord has gotten on me about this too, y'all. You know how you, you can go places and you know what the price is and you're trying to get them to lower and even lower. And then when they don't lower it, you get mad. That's an underlying condition. You're getting mad because you're trying to work that thing. You think that you work them to the point that they're going to do what you want. And let me tell y'all, this is funny. I don't be manipulating nobody. I just be telling the truth. But it always shows up in the conversation. When I go somewhere and I'm far from home. I'm in Wilmington, by the way. I'm far from home. So when I get to my destination and they ain't doing like they said they were going to do, I said, look now, I come... (laughs) 30 miles, not 25 minutes or 30, 30 miles from you. And this is not what you said. You See, you remember, don't you? I'm just being open and honest. You know, I'm not trying to get nothing from them. I'm just reminding them I'm doing what you told me to do. And they do it. Because my heart is not to manipulate. My heart is to remind them this is what you told me. I come 30 miles They say, so you stay? I say, yes, I don't stay here in town. And he said, well, let me see what I can do. See, my son even know this. When he want to sell something or something, I don't try to manipulate nobody. He said, mama, can you? uh, Sure, son. But it's not that I try to manipulate. I just have to wait and, and say, okay, how can I do this? Which way can I go in? Which way can I come out? Because I'm not trying to manipulate. You got to know the difference between trying to manipulate or trying to get extra. We all been there. We all done that, right? So we have to be careful. This is what the enemy does. He's tried to falsify our thinking. He tried to alter our thinking. He tried to get us to do it his way and not the way God wanted to be done. And we think we've done something when we do it that way. But that's not how it needs to be done. I, I can say this. You know how somebody will ask you a joke? And I'm the type of person that, well, it's not like a joke. I don't know what you call it, but I'm the type of person I can't catch on quick. When my husband be giving me these little riddles or stuff, I miss it because I can't catch on. So my son had called me, and he had asked me something. He said, I asked Daddy them, and I'm going to see, Mama, do you know? Let me tell you what I did. I said, all right, Holy Spirit, help me with that. And when he asked me, I hit it on the spot. He said, Mama. I'm like, yes. Because I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. He's on time. He'll let somebody know, now I ain't as dumb as you think. Because you messing with the Holy Spirit. Now see, Jeremy tried to get me, y'all. He tried to start me up. And then my husband going to tell me the joke. I said, well, I already got it correct. He looked at me. Because he know normally I don't get it. Right, honey? See, he's, he's right. So when we, the Holy Spirit is there to help our falsify thinking, y'all. He's there to bring correction. He's there to bring truth. He testifies only to the truth, y'all. Wow. This is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's our teacher. He's the one that leads us, guides us into all truth. He's only going to testify according to the truth. There is no lie in him. He is the spirit of truth. So why don't we call on him? Because we're not used to doing it. That's why we have to back up and say, wait a minute, Holy Spirit, I feel like there's a lie. Help me with this. And he will. So, false statements. Let me go here. Go to Mark 14, 56 through 59. Mark 14, 56 through 59. And this is when the people were turning against Jesus. 
Many people came and told false things, gave false testimonies about him, but all said different things. None of them agreed. Now look at this. They were telling false statements about Jesus. It was not the truth, but none of them was in agreement. They were not unified, but they were telling false um, um, statements. Then some people stood up and lied, gave false testimony about Jesus saying, we heard this man say, now listen at this, I will destroy this temple that people made, and three days later I will build another temple not made by people. The problem was he said that, but they didn't have revelation on that. They were looking at it naturally. So they say he lied. Ain't no way he can tear this down and build it back up in three days. He told a lie. They didn't see it spiritually. They saw it naturally. How many, y'all, how many of us in the church are born again and we got people seeing in the spirit and we got people seeing in the flesh and they ain't agreeing with you and they leaving the church? That's what's happening. They're saying, she lying. She ain't telling the truth. But I'm speaking to you spiritually. I'm not speaking to you naturally. I am a spiritual being. I don't go on natural. I go on supernatural. Your problem is you in the flesh, not in the spirit. And when you walk in the flesh, you don't receive nothing of God. You got to be spiritually minded, which is life and peace. To be currently minded is death. So see, when you know the word of God, when somebody's speaking to you spiritually, you can say, amen, it is so. But when you're in the flesh, you're going to turn against that person and have other people to turn against that person. And they're going to have a different version of what was said. Well, he said, no, she said, they ain't what I heard. This is what I heard. Everybody's testimony is different, but it's false statements. Didn't hear the same thing. But it's false. This is what uh, false statements are. So we got to be careful, y'all, who we hang around that ain't in the word. I don't care how saved they are. If they never talk about Jesus and they talk about things more in the world than they do Jesus. Come on, some people can tell you everything that's going on with the government more than they can tell you about the kingdom of God. Because they watch it 24-7. It's okay to watch it if you overturn it with the word. But if you ain't overturning it with the word, you're going to bring conflict in the body of Christ because you hearing naturally and not hearing spiritually, your thinking has been altered. And this is why the church is having so many problems when it comes to picking presidents. Everybody quiet now. Church shouldn't be mad at each other when it comes to the election. You shouldn't even go back on how it was. You should go on how it is with God now. Falsified thinking. We're supposed to be able to think the way he thinks. We have the mind of Christ. What would Jesus do? He wouldn't cut the food. He wouldn't get angry. You bring up names of people in conversations, people blow up. That ain't God's character. You're supposed to bring love. God love all of us. He reigned on the just as well as the unjust. He want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
That's what we're supposed to want. Change their hearts, Lord. Turn their hearts towards you. Put them amongst people that can bring the good news of the kingdom. That they can say, what must I do to be saved? I bind the hands of the enemy where he's blinding the minds of the unbelievers. Keeping them from believing this glorious gospel. Gospel, send your labors out. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Lord, I thank you for doing a work in the White House. I thank you for doing a work in the Senate. I thank you for doing a work, God. A work that they know that you are Jehovah God, that you are El Young, and you can do all things except fail. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not giving our opinion on what we think need to be done. Ooh, somebody's mad. Toe up from the flow up, but that's okay. The truth, knowing the truth will set you free. We shouldn't have division amongst us because of man. We shouldn't do that. A divided house will not stand. The enemy always have somebody in the house of God to divide it. It take one. A little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. That's why you got to get rid of that. If they don't want to line up with truth, that's the word. They're just like a heathen. That's why the Bible say if you got a problem with your brethren, you go to them. They don't accept you, you bring somebody else. They don't accept them, you take them before the church. They don't accept the church, they're just like a heathen. They can't be a part of it. Come, do y'all, did anybody read it? Then people get mad when they say, I don't think that's right. You shouldn't have handled it that way. Oh, thank God he don't strike nobody dead today. Because that's him. That ain't me. Do you read your word? Every plant that God has not planted will be uprooted. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so good, y'all. Maybe that's why Judah sung so quick, so I can have more time. <laughs> First Chronicles 21, verse 1. Let's talk about it. This was when Satan, an adversary, stood up against Israel and stirred up David to number Israel. Do you see how Satan, which is called an adversary, had David to number Israel? David knew he did not suppose to number Israel, not lest God told him to. God always told Moses when to take a census because Israel belonged to God, not Moses. So Moses had to do what God wanted him to do for Israel. He could not go outside of that. David took it upon himself to tell Joab to number Israel because Satan stirred him up through falsified thinking, altering, changing God's way. And by him changing God's way, God said, I'm going to give you three options, David. See, David, what he wanted to do was put it on my household. The people didn't have nothing to do with it. But God knew how rebellious those people was through other times. But God gave him three options. David took the option of God coming in there in three days with a plague. God gave him an option because he said, this is going to be dealt with, David. Because this is not what I do. You altering what I said. You don't alter my word. See, I want y'all to understand whatever God tell you not to do, you don't do it because guess what? You're going to go through some consequences because you're not under his protection no more. You up in Satan's kingdom. 
So whatever evil that Satan has based upon what you did that you should not have done. Y'all think just because we saved, we're not going to go through some consequences. Come on, don't pay nobody when you, the Bible says, oh, nobody, nothing but to love them. See what consequences you go through. Don't pay your car payment. See if you be walking. Don't pay your house payment. See if you be out there in the dog cage. Come on, you go through consequences. Is that not correct? Don't eat and see what happened to your body. Don't shower and see what you smell like. You're going to go through some consequences. So whatever the Bible tell you to do, that's what you do. And you're going to get life from what you do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying this today, y'all. When you're constantly doing what the word of God tell you to do, you're going to live that abundant life. Your body is going to live that abundant life. Sickness will not come upon you. It will come at you, but it can't come upon you because you're doing what the word of God tell you to do. And then if it do come upon you where you missed it, you know what the word of God is saying. So you telling that mountain to go. Come on, y'all. When we live according to the word, we're going to get what the word says or it's going to make God a liar. I want to give you another hint. When you live according to the world, you're going to die with the world. Because he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall remain forever. It's going to stand forever. Because even when you die, you're going to be living. But if you live according to the world and do what the world is doing, you're going to get what the world gets. God's wrath is going to be poured upon it. It's simple. So we don't want to live that way. That's why we got to change the way we think. So David, he numbered Israel. And he got in trouble for doing it. He had consequences. Some people say, well, I'm up under grace. Just because you up under grace don't mean you ain't going to go through. Grace made a way for you not to go through, through Jesus Christ. But you have to accept that grace by faith, by believing in what God said, not what the world is doing. Oh, I know I'm preaching right. I don't need no agreements. Nehemiah 6, verse 6 through 8. Y'all remember Nehemiah? I had to throw him back up in here. I'm throwing him up in here because he was building that wall. He was doing what God told him to do. And guess what the enemy wanted to do? The enemy was bringing in falsified thinking. The enemy was altering God's word to get him to stop building that wall. But when we look in Nehemiah 6, 6, it says, this is what was written. A report is going around. Y'all know about the reports going around, right? To all the nations. And Jashem the same person, this is a person that was in chapter 2, say, says it's true that you and the Jewish people are planning to turn against the king, rebel, revolt, and that therefore you are rebuilding the wall. They say you are going, intending, planning, wishing to be their king, and that you have appointed, anointed, established prophets to announce, proclaim in Jerusalem. There is a king of Judah. The king will hear about these reports, these rumors. So come, let's discuss this, confer, take counsel together. Look at this lie. They saw them building the wall and they took their own uh, way of thinking. They made up everything seem like this is what they're getting ready to do. Do y'all know it's rumors always going around? Somebody can call you about somebody and everybody got their own rumor. Everybody done come up with their own opinion about that person. Call a person and tell them that they're on that machine due to COVID. 
The rumor is going around that they're already dead. They're already dead. They say when you get on that machine, you're dead. Rumor's going around, but it ain't the truth. And so guess what the enemy does? He used one person to spread it. Then when it's spread, you unite it. You're coming together. And Satan is in the midst of you. Because he's getting what he wants. So you can't always take stuff and run with it because you don't know if it's true or not. Just like when Deacon Newton was saying somebody told him that this man was dead. And come to find out he saw the dead man in the store walking and alive. So they wanted, see when you speak death on somebody, that's what the enemy wants for that person is death. You looking for that person to be dead. So you can't take every rumor that you hear and every bit of gossip and run with it and talk about that person because that's witchcraft. And that's what you're doing. You're speaking um, um, darkness on them and not light. So this is what Nehemiah said. So I sent back this answer. Nothing you are saying is really happening. We are not doing what you are saying. You're just making it up, inventing, imagining them in your own mind and heart. This is how we supposed to do, y'all, in the body of Christ. When somebody bring you something, you need to give them an answer according to the word. If you cannot answer according to the word, you need to get off the phone. You don't need to hear nothing else they have to say because if you're building yourself up in the word of God, they're coming to tear you down. Y'all, I'm going to tell you something. COVID have tore so many people down with their faith. You standing strong and every time somebody come in and out, they're talking the same thing. They're telling you to do this. They're telling you to do that. You better do this. So this, that's what they believe. What do you believe? What have you been standing on? Take that out of your house. If you want to live that way, live that way. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. See, that's falsified thinking. That's thinking that has been altered. That has been changed. That does not come into alignment with the word of God. Now let's talk about how do we get rid of this falsified thinking. How do I get rid of this falsified thinking? First of all, know that God does not change his mind. God does not change his mind. That's verified in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And then it's another verse of scripture that said God changes not. And y'all know the one I always say, Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Have he not said and shall he not do? Have he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? He is God, not man. So how to get rid of this thinking is to know God is not man. God is not going to lie to you. Whatever is written is written and it's not going to be altered. It is not going to be changed. And that was proven in the word of God when the king dealing with um, Daniel and how he had to uh, put Daniel in the lion den. What he had said could not be altered, could not be changed. So they began to see God for who he really was. 
Even though you ain't going to change your mind, this is how I work. So we know that Daniel, he come out of that lion den, didn't he? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they wouldn't bow down and they obeyed God. They come out of that fiery furnace, not even smelling like smoke. Jesus was in the midst of them. He was their protector. So when we honor God, he honors us. When we honor his word, you know, God honors us. Amen. So God don't lie. The next thing that we have to know is we have to renew our minds. Did y'all know that? Some people act like their mind don't need to be renewed. They act like their mind do not need to be changed. See, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And remember, you have come out of a world that was full of sin and still is full of sin. And you have gravitated to some of those sinful habits, those sinful ways, those ways of doing things. So when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got to renew your mind according to who you are now that you're in Christ. Quit whining and complaining about what's going on in your house, what's going on on your job. You got to go into the word of God, the word of life, and change how you feel about those situations through the word and you got to live by the word not by how you feel if you're not getting in the word to have a change of mind to have a change of heart you're going to look at the same situation it's going to get worse it's not going to get better and you're going to give up on God and you're going to serve what the world is doing instead of God that's why you need to come to church. You need to come to Bible study. You need to be in fellowship so your mind can be renewed, not only in here, but you need to go home and you need to open up this Bible and blow some of the dust off of it and quit sneezing all over it and giving God glory for what he has done because you found out through the word that there is a God. You cannot say you save and not live off of this word. If you're saved, this is your spiritual mirror. You got to go into it every day. People should see change if you're in it. When you in this word, you ain't going to act the same. You ain't going to talk the same. And you ain't going to keep acting like a hypocrite. And you ain't going to keep saying, I'm sorry. You're just going to do what the word of God said. And people are going to know you, God, is sorry by your actions. You ain't talking the same way no more. You ain't doing what you used to do. Why? Because when I opened up this spiritual mirror, it told me who I was. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I have a new nature on the inside of me. And that new nature that's on the inside of me, it represents God and his way of doing, his way of being, his goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, his healing, his prosperity. Everything I need is in me. So you're not going to act the same and you don't have to put on an act no more. Some people are putting on acts, not the book of Acts. That's what we do. We, we act in it out, but we ain't living the way we need to live. Y'all, I'm telling you, when this word touch you, when it really, truly touch you, people going to know you've been touched. People going to know you've been changed because they can't come at you any kind of way no more. You ain't in the same places you used to be no more. When they invite you to, to some of their shenanigans and you know what they're going to do, you don't go. Because you know light and darkness don't mix. Or if you go in to be with family and they start turning up or turning out, you turn out. You don't turn up. You don't just sit there and watch them dance and cut the food. Because whatever you sit there and watch, you're doing even though you're not doing. Come on, that's a changed life. 
How can you sit there in the midst of something that you know ain't right, but yet you trying to bring change? How can you allow God to sit there while they turning up their butts and they're cussing and they're cutting? How can you put God is in you? If God is in you, you know, oh, no, that's not his way of doing and being. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. So when you leave, guess what? You're going to find out how small your family circle get. You're going to find out you you don't get no more invitations in the mail. You're going to find out you were left out for real. Now you can get, do you a dance. Ooh, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you get left out because your mouth too big. Because when you come up in there, you turn out by God said, y'all heathens. That's why you can't go there. (laughs) Some of you run your mouth too much. You're supposed to let your light shine before men. That your father may be glorified in heaven. They may see his works, not yours. And he may be walking up in there. Just learned you a scripture for the day. (laughs) And you walking up in there with that scripture. And you telling everybody about Jesus and what you learned. No, you just manipulating. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing. Don't put Miracle Temple in it, by the way. Because mm-hmm. some of y'all go up in there and get your feelings hurt. And then you go home and cry. That's your fault. Going up in there with a hammer already. You're supposed to go up in there in love. And you're supposed to walk out in love. So whatever is going on that shouldn't be going on, you don't have to be in the midst of. Just say, okay, I'm leaving now in love. You don't have to stay there and say, look at them heathens. Oh, they're going to hell. That's right. You're going to burn up in hell. If Jesus come tonight, you're going to hell and you too. That's not godly. Why are you in the midst of it and talking about them? That's not judging spiritually either. Take the beam out of your eye. Then you can take the moat. Remember, the beam is bigger. And that'll take you a good while to get that beam out of your eye. So we have to be watching as well as praying. The more you renew your mind, y'all know this scripture. Be not conformed. Do not be shaped, conformed to press into the mold of this world. Instead, be changed within transformed, changed by a new way of thinking or changing the way you think. I like the way they expand it, do it. Or changing the way you think, the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to decide, discern, test, and approve what God wants for you. It's God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. You will not know until your mind is renewed and changed. This is why we're having conflict in the body of Christ. Because people that are saved have not renewed their minds. So when you go to them and you tell them the truth, now they're mad at you and don't want to be around you no more because you're telling them truth, which they should know. Next thing is casting down them imaginations. We know that scripture. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Remember that. We do, we do not fight against each other. But they are mighty before God for the overthrowing and destruction of strongholds. 
Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, reasonings, that's what's going on in our mind. Arguments, reasoning, and theories. We get rid of that and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. See, we got our answer. So what do we do? We keep pouring in the word. 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 How do we pour it in? By listening to it, by reading it, by studying it, by meditating it. We pour it in. We pour it in. We pour it in until it overthrows what's in our heart. Because it's got in our heart now. See, it can be in our head, but once it gets in our heart, that's when it's hard or tough. That's when you have to go through a process. If your thinking been tore up since you've been saved and you ain't been in the Bible, you've just been quoting behind everybody else and you've been acting all sweet and you've been acting all nice and you've been doing this and doing that. And then soon as somebody pressed the wrong button, every bit of that throw up come out and it don't smell good. It takes the word. Quit telling people you save. And by the way, folk, quit telling them you go to Miracle Temple and you live in a life outside of what you're being taught. That's not what we teach. That's not what I do. I'm not perfect except in my spirit, but I know the way things should supposed to be according to the word. I know when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Because the Holy Spirit ain't going to let me sit there and act like I'm right when I ain't right. That's why I have the Holy Spirit. That's why God said David was a man after his own heart. Because David did what was right before God even when he was wrong. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to admit it and quit it. And we're supposed to quit trying to blame everybody else and say, forgive me. If they never ask you for forgiveness because you know that Christ has forgiven you, you're supposed to forgive them. Don't go on how you feel or what they've done to you or what they said. Say, I forgive you and go home and work on that hurt. Let him bind up all your wounds and mend your broken heart. He will do it if you ask him to do it. We got so much hurt. We got so much anger and disappointment that when the word come, it go in one ear and it go out another because our hearts have become so hard. And we play around with people's emotions, making them think, I'm okay with you when you're not. And then when it gets so hot and heavy because the enemy said, I got you now. Now I'm allow you to blow up. Because you've been lying. He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. God is not man, y'all. God is never going to lie to us. He's the same. So let's get rid of this falsified thinking through the word of God, allowing the word to uproot it. And the only way the word can do it, you got to constantly pour it in on a daily basis. If you had this thinking for 20 years, you just can't come in on Sunday and thank you in your word. Can't come in on Tuesday and thank you in your word. You got to take time out every day to say, Lord, it's me. I'm tired of being angry. God, I'm tired of the life I'm living. God, I need your help. He will send you what you need. But when you get so used to being how you are, you think you're normal. And you think it's okay. It is not okay. You represent the kingdom of God. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the word that you have brought forth, God, for your people. 
I thank you that their hearts are open and receptive to receive this word. And God, where the enemy want to come in, Father, to alter, to change what has been ministered on today. I bind it right now in the name of Jesus. And I cover it in your blood from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Thank you that your people hearts are open and saying, God, what must I do to get rid of God? What's holding me keeping me from doing what you would have for me to do search me lord and see if there's any wickedness in me and now father right now in the name of jesus i come against every sickness every disease god every plague god that's trying god to come upon your people in jesus name god i bind it in jesus name and i say by jesus stripes we were already healed healing is the children's bread i thank you god for healing us delivering us prospering us i thank you for blessing us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places god and i thank you god for your son jesus christ i thank you for the shedding of his blood without the shedding of his blood there is no remission of sin we give you glory we give you honor and we give you praise in jesus name amen 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 to god be the glory at this time we have our